everyone. It is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Today is episode 66, and we are talking about pancreatitis. So pancreatitis is a really common condition. It's an inflammatory condition that involves the pancreas. Excellent. You guys are so smart. So pancreatitis can be acute or it can be chronic, and you might see it in conjunction with some other disorders that are pretty common, such as alcoholism, disorders of the biliary tract, and patients who are taking long-term medications like glucocorticoids. Glucocorticoids. I can never say that word. Is there just a word that no matter how many times you say it, you just can't say it? That is one of mine. In addition to being acute or chronic pancreatitis caused by some of these other disorders, it can also be considered idiopathic, which basically means it occurs because it occurs and we don't really know why. So even though pancreatitis is pretty common, does not mean it's not very serious. The mortality rate for acute pancreatitis is actually 10%. So that's pretty high, and it can lead to some really serious respiratory complications ranging from hypoxia all the way up to ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And if you're interested in learning more about ARDS, I do have at least a blog post about it and possibly also a podcast episode. So if you're in your advanced med surge rotations and courses right now, you definitely want to brush up on ARDS. Then That's acute pancreatitis. Chronic pancreatitis can cause a lot of problems related to permanent damage to the pancreas. So we don't want it, right? Chances are, though, you're going to see it a lot in your med-surg clinicals. Definitely, you'll be seeing it on exams about the GI system and GI problems. So let's go through this using the straight-A nursing latte method. So latte, how's the patient look? How do you assess? What tests are done? How are they treated? And how do you educate the patient? It's an acronym, makes studying super simple and focused. So how does this patient with pancreatitis look? This is the L in latte. So a lot of times these patients will come in complaining of severe upper abdominal pain, pain in that epigastric area. The pain could radiate to their back. It's often worse after they have a high-fat meal or high-fat foods or after drinking alcohol. So in many cases, the patient will also have some associated nausea, maybe vomiting with that as well. A lot of times they're going to be thin. That could be from chronic weight loss. So maybe they have some chronic pancreatitis or chronic weight loss secondary to their alcohol use. A lot of times patients who abuse alcohol or overuse alcohol, whatever the term is, won't eat, they will drink their calories instead and be very malnourished. So that's in a nutshell how the patient will look. And then the A in latte is how do you assess the patient with pancreatitis? So the first thing you're going to do is do a very thorough pain assessment. So a good routine to follow is the PQRST model. There are other pain assessment models out there. This one I use because I can remember it because it's in alphabetical order. So P is for what propagates the pain or palliates the pain, relieves it. Q 
is for the quality of the pain. Um, this is, is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it tearing? Is it burning? Is it throbbing? Is it aching, etc.? The quality of it. Have them describe it. R is to ask if the pain radiates anywhere. And again, the patient with pancreatitis might say, the pain radiates around to my back. S is for the severity of the pain. Have them rate it on that 0 to 10 scale. If they're unable to comprehend that scale, there are other pain scales out there. Use the one that is most appropriate for the patient and their condition. And T is for time. Does the pain get better after a period of time or does it just get worse over time? So do a thorough pain assessment. You're also going to check their vital signs. You're very interested in their blood pressure. A lot of times the blood pressure is low due to volume loss. So if they've been vomiting a lot, their blood pressure could be low. However, blood pressure could also be high from that severe pain. So you want to look at the blood pressure in context of your patient. If they have been vomiting a lot, but their blood pressure is normal, maybe it's normal because it's actually a little bit elevated because they're in so much pain. So you have to kind of think through how they're presenting. You want to check out their heart rate, which is often elevated because they're in pain, they're stressed, or they have a compensatory mechanism for that low blood pressure going on. Take a temp. They could have a fever, which a lot of times indicates respiratory compromise, like a pleural effusion or something even worse, like ARDS. So the causes for these respiratory complications are multifactorial, lots of them. One of the reasons is that pancreatic enzymes can leak into the pleural cavity, causing that pleural effusion. You also want to check for something called chopstick sign, which indicates hypocalcemia is present. So chopstick sign is something you'll learn about in your uh, adult assessment course, most likely. And you do this by flicking the facial nerve on their cheek there where the facial nerve is and you watch for twitching. And if their face twitches after you flick that nerve, that's a sign of low calcium levels. So it's just a quick way to check a calcium level. I mean, it's not always going to be hundred percent, but it can give you an idea before you get that blood chemistry panel back. So just a quick note, the exact mechanism of hypocalcemia and pancreatitis is not fully known or understood. We do know that it occurs for um, some different reasons based on the early or late stages of the disease. In the early stages, the patient could be hypocalcemic because their uh, parathyroid gland is affected. They have low magnesium levels. Uh, calcium and magnesium levels are related. And even the autodigestion of mesenteric fat by the pancreatic enzymes. So yeah, like I said, complicated. Don't need to know this. Just know that hypocalcemia can be present. In those later stages, it's often present um, in conjunction with sepsis. So just know that hypocalcemia can be common and you check it by flicking the patient on the cheek. And then you also want to weigh your patient daily to monitor their fluid balance. So those are some main assessments for your patient with pancreatitis. Now let's move on to the first T in latte, which is what tests are going to be ordered for this patient. So a chemistry panel, we really want to know what that calcium level is. If there's any other electrolytes out of whack, especially if they've been vomiting a lot, patient could have wackadoo electrolyte levels and we want to know about that. 
We'll also check a white blood cell count to monitor for infection, inflammatory states, get a CBC so you can get that white count. Bilirubin could be elevated. Their blood sugar could be elevated. Recall that it's those beta cells of the pancreas that deal with insulin. So if those cells are not working well, blood sugar could be high. Serum ALK phosphatase could be elevated. Serum amylase likely elevated. And a CT scan might be done. And that would show possibly that the organ itself, the pancreas, is enlarged. It could show if there are any cysts that are present. Another test, we talked earlier about words can't say. Here's one. Endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography. Oh my God, I just said it. So that's an ERCP. Typically, we just call it an ERCP because who wants to say endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography all the time? Bam! Okay, that ERCP is a test that shows the anatomy of the pancreas, and that can show like the ducts and if they're blocked or kinked or whatever, and um, that's really handy to know. It can also be uh, treatment as well as diagnostic, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Chest x-ray could show a pleural effusion, and that would be a very serious complication. If pleural effusion is present in pancreatitis, their mortality rate just went way up. And then an abdominal x-ray could be ordered just to rule out other GI problems. One of the things you'll learn when you're assessing patients who have GI abnormalities is that a lot of the symptoms are kind of vague, like I'm nauseous, I'm vomiting, I have abdominal pain. Well, that could be a whole bunch of things. So an abdominal x-ray could rule out other issues. So let's move on to the second tea and latte, which is treatments. How is this patient going to be treated? What treatments might that the physician team order? So the three mainstays of pancreatitis treatment are NPO, NG tube, and pain management. So the patient's going to be NPO to basically rest the pancreas and decrease the release of those pancreatic enzymes. So no food for you. Pancreatitis also comes with a significant amount of nausea and vomiting usually. So that NG tube that we're placing is going to decrease gastric distension. It's going to help remove gastric juices. The nausea is often immediately relieved when we get the NG tube in and place it to intermittent low wall suction. As much as patients hate having it inserted, and I am not going to lie, I would rather do almost anything than insert an NG tube because it is so uncomfortable for the patient and I just feel so bad for them. Once it's in, it's not as bad. It's uncomfortable to have that thing in your nose, but once it's in, people tolerate it pretty well and they are so relieved that their nausea and vomiting are under control that they manage usually just fine they do not want to pull it out because then you have to put it back in. So I always tell my patients, if don't get tangled up in this tubing um, because I have to put it back in and you don't want that. And they always say, no, I don't want that. And then pain treatment. So pain medication, this can include meperidine and or opiates. So Many studies, many resources that you look at are going to state that meperidine is the med of choice for pancreatitis because it apparently causes less spasming of that sphincter of Vader than opiates do. However, meperidine has a dangerous byproduct called MPTP, and that byproduct 
is neurotoxic and can cause patients to have like Parkinson's type symptoms that may or may not resolve. So pretty dangerous to have that. So if meperidine is used, it's not going to be used for very long. A lot of healthcare uh, practitioners just skip the meperidine and go with morphine or some other opioid instead. But on your exams, very common question is about meperidine and why it's preferred. It's because it doesn't cause as much spasming of the sphincter of Vader. Okay, the patient's also going to get fluids to replace their volume loss, IV fluids, uh, medications that can reduce gastric acids. This would be like your H2 receptor blockers, your proton pump inhibitors, and acids. Patients may also get anticholinergic meds. And if you haven't taken pharmacology yet and you're like, what are you talking about, Mo? What's anticholinergic meds? Anticholinergic meds are going to decrease secretions and it's going to help keep those pancreatic enzymes from secreting so much. It's also going to slow gastric motility as well. Antibiotics may be needed if there's an infection happening with your patient. If their blood sugar's out of whack, they may need insulin while their pancreas is healing, or maybe their pancreas is so damaged they're going to need insulin forever, so insulin may be needed. Patients who have impaired pancreatic enzyme secretion, this would be um, a patient who will then need to take exogenous pancreatic enzymes, and that's pretty much like a long-term thing that they're going to have to take. Patients may get surgery to uh, remove cysts. Uh, treat biliary obstructions, treat an abscess. Remember, we talked about that ERCP that can also be more than just a diagnostic tool. It can be a treatment tool as well. Like say the sphincter is not functioning, they can kind of stretch it out and open it up and do some other things during an ERCP. I believe they can even remove uh, tract obstructions, things like that. And then um, again, just that sphincter, a surgical procedure can enlarge that as well. So that are, covers kind of the main treatments for the patient with pancreatitis. The main things to know, NPO, NG2, pain management, probably also some fluids um, and uh, maybe insulin if their blood sugar is out of control and then those other things as needed. Okay, how are we going to educate the patient? E is for educate. That's the last part of our latte method. And one of the big things for patients with pancreatitis is if it is exacerbated or brought on by alcohol use, even if they're not alcoholism um, is not part of their problem, but even any alcohol causes it to flare up, they need to not drink alcohol clearly. Okay, so um, alcohol cessation if needed. Um, alcoholism support if needed. Patient will also need to be very careful with their diet. Um, Typically, patients will start with a low-fat diet, low-protein diet, and progress slowly um, from there. If they have diabetes, especially if it is a new diagnosis, the patient will need a ton of education surrounding the management of this disease because it takes a lot of knowledge to manage it well. And this includes how to check their blood sugar, when to check their blood sugar, how to calculate their carbohydrate intake, how to calculate their insulin dosage, when to take their insulin, all the different types of insulin, the short-acting insulin, the long-acting insulins, all of that stuff, and any dietary modifications that may need to be made. 
The patient should also avoid caffeine because that can exacerbate pancreatitis. So you want to educate them on that and tell them that it's not just coffee that has caffeine. It's also in a lot of soft drinks, chocolate, black tea, green tea even has some. So you want to make sure they know what uh, foods, beverages have caffeine. You want to teach the patient which foods could be triggering their attack so that they can avoid them. So a lot of times for patients, this is fatty red meats. Fried foods, those real fatty foods, butter, margarine, high sugar foods, full fat dairy, stuff like that. They can also take a or keep a food diary and help themselves discover what their triggers are. Um, If the patient goes home with that pancreatic enzyme medication, they need to understand to take it with their meals. And the patient should also be instructed to report Um, Things like abdominal distension, cramping, foul-smelling or frothy stools, all of these can indicate an ongoing problem that needs to be addressed. So there you have it, a quick overview of pancreatitis. I hope that helps you take excellent care of your patients who have pancreatitis, whether they're in the hospital or they're fake patients on your exams. So this podcast is launching like second week of September, I believe, or broadcasting second week of September. I just wanted to give a little bit of a teaser that we're working on something new and exciting for you guys, and that is our app. So the app is in development. It's almost done. I don't have a firm launch date, but it will be pretty sure. I hope I don't regret saying this and over-promising and under-delivering, but I think it will be this fall and I could not be more excited about it. It will be yet another way that you can study quickly on the go because I do believe that you should still be able to live your life even though you're in nursing school. So we will see you here next week. I'm going to look real quick and see what our topic is for next week. Ooh, next week is a good one. Next week, we're talking about test anxiety. Huge topic, huge problem for a lot of students. So I will see you here. Thanks for spending your very precious free time with me today. Have a great weekend, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media.